Publisher Podcast, episode 13. Woohoo! We've made it to the lucky number 13. Yay! This episode was so much fun to record with Eileen Cook. I just actually finished recording her interview for the 2021 Women in Publishing Summit, and again, just phenomenal information. But this particular one is from two years ago, where we talked about character development and writing really good characters. I think you will find Eileen very funny and knowledgeable, and there's just so much information packed into this episode, mostly about writing craft. So for most of our episodes, we talk so much about publishing and marketing and tools and all of those things, but I guess two years ago, we really started getting more into the craft of writing, and we are focusing a ton on the craft of writing in the 2021 Summit. So just my quick plug before you get into this episode, make sure you head on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com, get your ticket while it's still on early bird pricing. You are going to kick yourself if you miss the early bird pricing. Um, There is so much information. We just added two more speakers today. Um, I was pitched last minute by some people who came to us with with, um, content that we had nothing else like it on the agenda. Um, one being a an owner of a magazine who wanted to show people how they can write for magazines as another source of revenue as writers. So um, that's something we have never covered. I was super excited to get that one in there. Um, and I mean, the content is just so phenomenal, but I'm not going to go on about that anymore. Please head over to womeninpublishingsummit.com. You can click on the speakers from the menu bar or from the main page if you're really curious to see what topics we're covering this year and who is speaking, but I think you're going to see that there's something for everyone and a lot of something for everyone. So much great stuff. We have started releasing content early on the web, on the Facebook group and on the membership area, so I'm super excited about that. I uh, got really great feedback on Jenny Goutet's presentation, which was the one I released this last week, and I'm trying to think of which one will be the best one to reach as an, as an incentive to people this week. But I'm just really excited. We have a month to go before the conference, and um, uh, it's going to be amazing. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, we are a brand new Baby Cup podcast, and what we really need is shares, likes, subscribes, all of those things so that um, wherever you're listening to your podcast, they can tell that you're into this show and they should show it to other people too. Um, It would really help us if you would subscribe, if you'd leave a comment or a review, I guess they're called technically on podcasts. Um, And that would be so great and helpful. All right, it's time to get into Eileen's interview. I'm sure you're going to love it. Have a great day and we'll be back soon. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. Hello and welcome back. Eileen Cook is a multi-published author with over 15 novels in print. Her novel, With Malice, was called A Seriously Creepy Thriller by Entertainment Weekly. And her novel, The Hanging Girl, One Lie Too Many, 
sorry, got chopped up on myself there, uh, won the John Spray Award for the best mystery novel in Canada in 2018. So she is legit. She is a writing instructor and mentor with the Creative Academy. Not that our other guests are not legit. I should go ahead and caveat that that way. Uh, maybe I should just stop talking and let Eileen talk, but let me finish this quickly. She is a writing instructor and mentor with the Creative Academy for Writers and the Simon Fraser University. Her most recent nonfiction book is Build Better Characters, and that is the topic that we are covering today. Thank you so much for being here as I tumble over my own words and helping us um, bring really great content to, to this summit. Oh, I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to be called legit. That makes me feel good. <laughs> makes my whole day. I'm like, finally, I'm going to tell my parents. <laughs> I mean, if you've made Entertainment Weekly and received these kind of awards, I think you can call yourself legit. So, but yes, and you I, can feel feel free to you know include that endorsement. Totally called legit by Alexa Big Wharf. I'll take it. <laughs> just teasing. Done. <laughs> I'm just teasing. That means something to this community, but may not m mean much to anyone else. So, oh my gosh. Well, I always enjoy speaking with you, and I'm excited to dig into this one because from a very personal perspective. I am a guru at writing nonfiction, been doing it for decades now, um, but fiction scares me to death. And I've been working on like three fiction books and I really struggle with character development. And I think, I'm not even sure if all of it isn't because I don't know how to write good characters, but I am such a, a voracious reader and I love reading books where at the end of the book, I am so invested in these characters. I feel like I've lost my family or best friends when the book is over. And I am, that's the, that's the standard that I've set my characters to be at. And I don't know how to get there. So enter Eileen. Well, and I, it's interesting because I've written obviously fiction for a long time, but this was my first nonfiction and I had the nerves around, you know, how do I get that down and how do I sort of help people with that? But this is something I've talked about a lot. So I'm a counselor by trade. So that's my background. I worked over 20 years uh, with people with catastrophic injuries or illness. That was my particular area of expertise. And I loved that work. Uh, and I sort of slowly transitioned from that work uh, into writing, uh, which is what I really wanted to be doing, of course, and then slowly kind of made the transition over to being a writer. But what I found is that there was so much that I had learned as a counselor that was useful for me. And I think the two biggest things that they have in common is if you're interested in writing and if you're interested in counseling, what you share is a fascination for people. Mm -hmm. what people do and why do they do it and how do they do it. Um, and that is certainly, I think, kind of the core of it. And I think you're bang on right that characters are often what pulls us in. So you can have a great plot and that will definitely hook people in terms of right. the back of the book. But what keeps them reading is a character that feels realistic. So my goal was to kind of create something that would help people make those realistic characters mm -hmm that would feel three-dimensional, that do things, not because you need them to do it for the plot, but because they would do that thing. So that was my goal. Yeah, absolutely. So, at, well, before we get into your tips on how to build these characters in a way that, that, that does that, I mean, well, I have a quick question, and that is, is it truly a gift or is it something that everyone can learn how to do? 
Of course, everyone can learn how to do it. Okay, good. <laughs> I feel so much better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry, you missed that boat. Um, I'm sorry. No. If you don't have this gene, you just can't write a character that people are going to love and fall in love with. And <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm a hundred percent believer that I think storytelling is something that's innate to a lot of people. That you've always been someone who liked telling stories, who loved story. Uh, but I think how to tell a story is very much a craft. Yeah. Um, so understanding how to do it and how to do it better, how to sort of really hammer home the points you want to make, that's practice and also sometimes some shortcuts, things you can learn from other writers. So this is just a this is just a really great way for me to interject. We get a lot of first time authors who come through this this course and through my program and through other things and um you know, a, a lot of first-time authors are really excited to get their book finished and get it out there. But what you just said is so important that, you know, I think um, self-publishing is wonderful. I've done it. Lots of people have done it. It's a great tool. But I think one of the things that it makes people forget is how important the development of the craft is. And um, that a lot of times people are so excited to get their book out there that they, they finish writing it, they do their first review, they send it through an editor and they think, okay, it's good to go. But in reality, it could probably use a lot more development. So I guess um, the first question I have for you is, before we get into your tips on how to build these characters is, what are the signs or what are some questions you can ask beta readers or how do you know if you have a character that is fully developed or not in the first place? And then we can build on that with your tips on how to, how to develop them out. I think there's a couple of different things that you can do, but first I want to hammer home uh, your point, which I think is really useful, which is to take your time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get it because uh, it wasn't that long ago that I wasn't also a first time writer and, you know, wanting my book to be out there. And I had the, I don't know if you want to say fortune or misfortune is I'm old enough that when I wrote my first book, self-publishing wasn't really a thing. Right. Um, it wasn't really an option. So I had no choice but to be submitting to agents and editors and trying to get someone's attention. Um, and it was a very frustrating process. But in the end, having to go through that process and having to kind of keep working to get better so that I could get someone's attention really helped me. Uh, and when I look back at some of that earlier stuff, I'm kind of glad maybe it wasn't out in the world. Like it just wasn't quite ready. Right. And really, I want everyone to just know it's the same thing. If you sat down to paint a picture, you wouldn't be like, well, I've never painted before, but let's see, I've got a canvas and some brushes boom, this is going in the Louvre. Right. <laughs> you know, it, right. it would look like a stick figure. Or it would I'm going to try and sell it for $800 because it's yeah. my art. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't sit down at the piano and be like, okay, I've never played before, but I think I'm going to book a concert hall and sell tickets. Right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. But for some reason, we do that with writing. We figure it should just happen. Mm -hmm. um, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to create characters that feels three-dimensional. So I think one of the first things that you have to think about is what is it that they want? So what's driving them in the story, their motivation? And they have to want that thing really bad mm -hmm. um, because you're going to, if you do your job right, you're gonna make it really, really hard for them to get that thing. Smart yeah. people give up. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you're like, you know what, I really want to, open a bakery. I've always wanted to open a bakery. That's my dream. And then you go to open a bakery and 
the town hall is against you. And then you bake up some bread and, you know, it ends up killing someone because I keep telling you write murder mysteries. You had a baking bread that kills someone. <laughs> Uh, and your bakery burns down. Like at some point, someone would be like, you know what? I'm going to go do something else. Mm-hmm. The so good earth to comes to mind it. as you're speaking yeah. <laughs> of this. Did you read that one in high school? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. It's just one like tragedy after another. <laughs> so things have to feel life or death to the character, even if it isn't life or death. So, right. you know, I've written YA for a long time. And, you know, whether or not you get invited to the dance isn't life or death. But if you think back to being a teenager, it sure as heck felt like life or death. Oh my gosh, yeah. I remember when my mom said I couldn't go see New Kids on the Block, and that to me was like, Jeez, truly life or death. that woman up. Someone should have called Child Protective Services. <laughs> I know. But yeah, I, I, and you know what? The, the important part is that, that um, I think the important part is that when they are that aggravated or that like life or death in their thing, like it builds that tension, I think, for the reader as well, which is something that I think some lo- level of tension, even if it's not like literally like people fighting or whatever, like is what keeps you whether it's like the sexual tension and a budding relationship, romantic relationship or something like that that keeps you like turning the pages, like when are they going to kiss? When are they going to kiss? When's it going to happen? You know? <laughs> and if you don't, I mean, think of tension like a rubber band that's pulling a reader through a book. And if you don't have that tension, then the book closes. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> Both great... literally and figuratively. Like it's yes. just not that interesting. And, and you can think of your own life. If you've ever had a drive to work where mm-hmm nothing's happening and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize that you're parking in the parkade and you actually have no memory of getting there because right. there was no friction. But you know, if there are things happening, if someone slams on their brakes, those kinds of things, that sticks in your mind or there's something beautiful on the side of the road that catches your attention. If there's not something different, if there's not something that sort of pulls your attention to that, you'll just blank it out. And the last yeah. thing you want as a writer is someone who's like, oh, I got to the end of the book and I don't even know how I got here. Yeah, that's not good. No. <laughs> those are definitely the that's the, a pro not, tip right there that's right. not good <laughs> that's not good and those are definitely not the characters that you dream about and wonder like how you could have fit in their lives <laughs> no <laughs> am I the only one who has this relationship with characters and books like <laughs> there are people okay. who have tattoos <laughs> keep that in mind <laughs> okay good 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 <laughs> my dog wants you to know that that's true <laughs> They're like, I get it. I get it. I am there. I have so bonded with that dog character. And <laughs> Never <laughs> kill the dog. That's advice. <laughs> yeah, you might have some more problems with that. It's funny. It's funny that we will tolerate um, brutal murder- murders of people in books, but not animals. Not the dog. <laughs> not animals. Okay. So you... Um, was that one of your three tips? You told me before we started that you had three tips in particular that you wanted to make sure we hit. So. so The first one, which is sort of related to that, but it's sort of just starting as a big picture, which I'm going to encourage everyone to approach writing like being a counselor. Uh, so this is your chance. If you've ever been an armchair psychologist, you've always been like, hmm, uh, <laughs> this is definitely where you can do it. And, and a few things that come into that is as a counselor, you're, you're trained to be non-judgmental. That is, you don't think, you don't say to someone like, why would you do that? That was stupid. Um, you might think it inside your head, but a good counselor is never going to say that. To right. <laughs> I hope. So you have to remember that when you are working with your characters is they're making the best choices that they can and they're doing things for a reason. And it's your job to understand it, particularly your villains. We're often very empathetic to the choices our protagonist or our main character make but not necessarily so much the minor characters. So that's something to consider. 
again, as a counselor, one of the things they trained you for is both verbal and nonverbal. So I listen to what you say, but I'm also listening to what you don't say. So if I say, Alexa, tell me about your relationship with your mom. And you say to me like, my mom is a pillar of the community. Everyone loves my mom. So counselor, I just went, Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) That's really interesting because that did not answer my question. And I make a little mental note, like get back to issues with mom. No doubt dating to new kid on block incident. (laughs) You know what? That's really scary that in that one example of tickets that you were able to pretty much peg my relationship with my mother. (laughs) Thinking. But what I'm thinking of is as a writer, I think too often we go and we have our characters say exactly what they think and feel. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is most of us don't. So if you're writing a scene and I'm going to say, um, John looked deep into Eileen's eyes. I love you. I love you too. Eileen said, that's exactly what she says. Now, if I add the line, I love you, Eileen, Eileen looked down at her hands, twisting the ring on her finger. I love you too. The reader goes, Hmm, Hmm. that's interesting. There's something else going on here that's creating that tension again that we talked about. Uh, Whereas if you have the character say, well, I love you, but I'm really concerned. I'm not sure I want to start a relationship yet, blah, blah, blah. Like one, people don't talk that way. And two, it's just making it too easy for the reader. You want to provide some of that tension. So think both in terms of verbal and nonverbal when you're creating characters. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. You know, I... um... I think I am horrible when it comes to, because I am like nonfiction is so like just rigid in, in many ways. Although I am trying to make my nonfiction as interesting as fiction would be. But sometimes like when you're writing about how to publish a book, like it's just cut and dry. Right. But I, I wind up getting into that with my same thing with my fiction. Like I will get really hung up in the, then she did this, then she did that, then she did this, then she did that. And, um, you know, the, the showing not telling is always a really big struggle for me. So I really like that tip because I think sitting back and thinking about it, like you would just through the counselor's eyes, huh, I'm observing what they're doing and seeing how thinking about like maybe when I've had a situation in my life where I didn't want to tell somebody what I was thinking or what was I doing while I was going through that process. A great exercise I have people do is to take a piece of paper, draw a line down the center of it. On half of the page, write what the character is thinking, feeling, what they want out of the scene. And then on the other half, write what they're saying or doing. Mm -hmm. So again, oftentimes if we have an argument, if you fight with your spouse about the fact that when they take their socks off, they drop them next to the hamper, Here's the issue. It's not really about socks. Right. It's about, I feel like you treat me like the maid. I'm not sure about the division of labor in our marriage. Uh, there's right. a whole host of things that are going on that have nothing to do with socks. It's not the socks. And when you uh, think so about those, yeah, exactly. When you think about those arguments, like when you're in them, you don't ever like just say, honey, go pick up your sock. It's you go get the sock and you chuck it across the room to their <laughs> face. <laughs> <laughs> you silently seethe with the sock, right? You burn the sock. You That's have right. That's and right. strangely enough, I'm going to piggyback there and just say, if people are struggling with how to create realistic things with characters, go to the nonfiction section of your bookstore and whatever it is your character is struggling with, they love too much, they love too little, they are just adopted, they haven't adopted, they're infertile, they want a kid, they're single, they want to get fine love, whatever they are struggling with, 
from addiction all the way through, there is a book about it that will show you examples and have things that are people in there. And so you can look at how you can maybe use some of that for your characters. That'll be really helpful. That's a really great idea. I have never heard that tip in five years of doing these interviews. I've never heard that tip. That's a good one. Um, and one that I will employ as I'm trying to get in there. Because, I mean, especially, you know, we talk about a lot of things with characters, especially if you're writing about somebody that you're not familiar with. Like if I were to write a character of an African-American man, for example, like, I don't know what his struggles are from day to day, but, you know, being able to find other resources to help me, like, what are things that are perplexing to men? What are things that are perplexing to minority men? What are, you know, and, um, so that's a really good idea. I'm sure there's got to be a self-help book out there on just about every topic that you can go. But I'm also, almost positive there is. <laughs> yeah. And then just the idea of using sensitivity readers to to um, to go through and say, you know, I would never say or do anything like that ever. So that has to be rewritten. And I think that's also another part probably. And I think that's may feed into your second tip Dad, on, you know, you. really understanding how how characters would act. I think one of the most important things you understand is that people's decisions come from somewhere. Like, so as a counselor, the very biggest thing I want to know is what kind of truths have you made about things? So I want to go back and understand where you come from. In writing terms, we call that backstory. Um, so one of the things that I, you know, I have in my book and I talk a lot about is doing almost basically a backstory interview with your character where you're asking them everything from, what was the relationship like with your parents? What's your relationship with money? Are you in debt? What kind of schooling do you have? Do you have a religion? Were you raised in a religion? What's your religious background? And people say, oh, well, how am I gonna get all that into the book? Well, you're not going to, <laughs> right? But you have to know that because if you were raised in a very religious household, even if you're not religious now, that's gonna impact how you sort of act and function in the world. Uh, the example that I talk a lot about is when I was growing up, my brother died when I was very young. Mm. That changed how my parents parent. Yeah, that changed sure. my issues in terms of, I really had the sort of message or the feeling like you have to be two kids for your parents. Mm. So it's possible I have a teeny weeny little problem with overachievement um, <laughs> that I can, I have some insight now many years later that does sort of stem from sort of that background. Uh, so that impacts the kind of choices that I will make. I'm a people pleaser because of that. So that impacts decisions I'm going to make. So when you know the background of your character, you can better decide how they're going to act in the moment when you put them in a situation. So someone who has a loving, great family background is going to behave differently than someone who was raised in and out of different foster care homes, all of those kinds of things. And one of the best ways to do this is enlist a friend to ask you the question so you don't know necessarily what question is coming up and just record yourself answering as your character mm -hmm. and just see what comes out of your mouth. And you might surprise yourself. You'll come up with some interesting tidbits. Now, as part of that, do you suggest finding someone, especially if it's a character that's really different, like the example that I gave from what you would know and what your life experience, would you suggest finding someone in your network um, that, that, fall that would fall kind of in those same lines or or be descriptive of that person and actually have an interview with them and say how would you do x y or z i mean i think the challenge is so one there's always the first question of 
you know, should you be writing characters that are completely outside of your scope, particularly as your main character and your protagonist? Mm. Uh, and, and there's certainly a, a very strong argument to be made that that's someone else's story to tell. Like, should you be writing a story of what it's like to grow up as a black male in inner city Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> I would never tell anyone that they shouldn't write something, but I would right. argue like, maybe that's not your story to tell, but right. you may have a character in your book that falls into that area. Right. And again, you're certainly not going to have all the backgrounds and experience. And I would never say to someone, well, you can't write something. Right. So I think, but if you are going to write outside of what you know, you need to understand that. And you need to then talk not just to one person, to a lot of persons. Yeah. Because one person yeah, that's that's... growing up in that is very different in the same way that I wouldn't want it to be like, oh, on behalf of white women everywhere, this is my experience. Right. <laughs> right. Like, that is not at all my experience. <laughs> that's a really good point. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I wasn't thinking about that. But yes, I mean, I mean just look at the difference between two people across any ethnicity, race, background, oh, yeah. culture, anything like they could be, they could be completely different in thoughts, behavior, experiences. Yeah. That's a fantastic point. And the nice thing is, which is always good, is it fundamentally comes down to human qualities, which mm-hmm. is uh, no matter what your background is, no matter what your race, no matter what your religion is, um, we're all human. Mm-hmm. And we all come from a background of what has happened to us. So it is our experiences and how we live out that experience in the same way that I really enjoy, like, again, when we're talking about experiences, I was talking to a high school at one point and they were asking the young men, like, how do you avoid being sexually assaulted? And the boys were all like, oh, they were laughing and joking, but they were like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess you don't drop the soap in the shower. Ha, 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 ha. Right. And then they turned to the young women and they said, how do you avoid it? And all of a sudden you had all these hands going up. It's like, oh, carry your keys between your fingers. Don't go out after dark. Make sure you have someone to friend to walk you with your car. Make sure your doors are locked at night. Don't leave your windows open. Have a dog. So they were going on and on. And you could see this awareness in the boy's eyes. of They just hadn't seen the world that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we all see it differently and, and what you're raised with and what your background is, is going to impact that. So you need to know it. Wow. Um, and that brings me to it. If I, if people forget everything that I've said um, today, which, you know, I don't know why you would, but if you do, <laughs> if you only remember one thing, it's one of the most important things that I can impart to people is it does not matter what happens to you. What matters is the story that you tell yourself about what happens. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, uh, you have a tragedy that happens. So when you're very young, there's a car accident um, and your family is killed. It's a horrible accident. Mm-hmm. If what you tell yourself is the world's a horrible place, everyone abandons you, um, you can't trust the world, it's out to get you that's going to drive your decisions and what happens. Someone else can have the exact same experience and say, you really have to hold on to the ones that you love and you make family out of the people in your life. So the exact same event, but what you tell yourself about that experience changes who you are and it changes the world around you. Um, So remember that it's not just what happened to your characters. It's not just the fact that they're a man or a woman or that they're this religion or not religion. It's what they tell themselves about what's happened to them that changes who they are. Yeah, that's powerful. 
Um, I like to try when possible, something I, I'm trying to do this um, this year is to give an application moment. If Is it possible to kind of um, think about a character either that you wrote and how you developed them or maybe you're in the midst of, a, of writing a character and you'd walk through the process of that, but can you, can you literally apply the three tips that you've just taught us to a real or fake character? I guess of they're course. all fake, aren't they? In, in the fiction world. <laughs> real to me, so I don't know what you're talking about. They're real about. to me too. <laughs> um, so I will talk about actually, so my most recent uh, novel is called You Owe Me a Murder. Uh, and in that novel, the main character, her name is Kim. Uh, she's grown up in a family where her mom is a mommy blogger mm -hmm. um, and has blogged for years about her struggles with infertility and that she finally had her daughter, Kim. Uh, and it's quite clear that Kim is not the daughter that she wanted. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> tension. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, tension is happening <laughs> in the background. Meanwhile, poor Kim is going to get embroiled uh, in a situation where she's going to take a flight to England for a school trip. On that trip, she meets a stranger on the flight. They're laughing and joking. They're talking about their problems. Kim mentions that her ex-boyfriend cheated on her. And this girl that she meets says, oh, we should do this thing. Like, you should kill my mom and I should kill your ex-boyfriend because it'd be the perfect murder. And they laugh. <laughs> uh, and then her ex-boyfriend gets pushed under a train. Oh, my. Uh, Oh yeah. Uh, so, and then the main characters or the uh, other woman says to her, basically you owe me a murder. So Kim, the main character has to get herself out of this accidental murder plot that she's gotten herself into. And if you look at the different stages, the first thing is I'm looking at Kim and I'm very aware of because of who she is and how she reacts, she wants people's attention. So she's laughing and joking because she's never felt good enough for her mom. Mm -hmm. And so she's behaving in a certain way, trying to impress this stranger that she's met on the flight. Uh, so she's trying to impress her. She's laughing. She's joking. She's doing and saying things that she doesn't necessarily believe because she wants approval. And that comes from where she's from. Mm -hmm. I don't judge her for that. I just know that that's where she is. Um, tons of her background is important to me, both as reveals, because this is a mystery novel, so you're going to find out things about her relationship with her sadly now dead ex-boyfriend <laughs> that maybe are a little bit uh, more complicated than you would have thought. Uh, but it also impacts how or why she gets into the situation and how she's going to choose to get herself out of that situation. So again, for most people, the first thing you would do, hopefully, if you're a teenager and you get yourself in a murder plot is go to your parents and be like, wow, I've gotten myself in a really bad situation here. <laughs> Help. <laughs> right. But I'm hoping that I have set up in a way that is believable that in the initial stages of it, she's so reluctant to go to her mom because she's always felt that her mom thinks that she does foolish things. So she's yeah. trying to fix it herself first. Yeah. And of course, by fixing it, she gets herself into deeper trouble which of course, hopefully keeps you turning the pages. Right. Well, I think that's a very believable character anyway, because if you see any teen who's done something silly that could have easily been fixed if they'd just gone and told their parents, but they're so afraid of what the consequences of telling are going to be, even if they don't have that situation with their mom. But I like that it's really, you know, it's even, that tension is even higher because you know already that her mom doesn't, um, <clears throat> 
you know, is disappointed in her or whatnot. So I, that sounds like a You have to book. raise the stakes, right? Because again, most teenagers get in, and I speak from personal experience, have gotten myself into stupid situations. Um, and again, was very reluctant to tell my parents. But when you raise the stakes to the point where, okay, now there's been a murder in the case right? of my book, you really have to then justify. And, and again, for everyone thinking about their character, you're pushing them to the ultimate degree. Mm-hmm. So you're asking them to take huge leaps. Um, so in order to do that, you have to give them a really good reason. Characters mm-hmm. are pushed or pulled. Mm-hmm. You either are pulled by something that's so enticing, you'll do it, or you're pushed and that you can't stay in your current situation. So how can you up and kind of dial up that friction on your character that will make them make a dramatic decision? Because dramatic decisions and surprising decisions are what keep people turning books. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Um, okay. Well, thank you for walking us through that. And then like, what would, so if somebody wants to write a book about a character and they're just not, they've never been in that, like, I feel like you have a little bit of experience, one as a counselor and two, having grown up with, so I think it, okay, I'm tumbling over myself here. I think it, it, it points to your point of you can, even if it's not, you've never been in that situation, you've never been the teenager, but you know that mentality of somebody who feels like they're going to disappoint someone. So I think it, it it does like give credence to what you said earlier about writing about characters that you know, even if it's not in the immediate sense of, of being in that situation. But what if you just really are drawn to creating this story and you uh, like, and, but you've never experienced anything. You never have anything that would have made like being a serial killer. Like there are some fascinating stories out there about serial killers that I would, I would love to write, but I obviously thankfully can't put myself in those shoes. Like in those cases, like how do you implement that character building? So I think it's a couple of different steps. And I think that's part of the fun of writing is the chance like to put yourself in someone's shoes. So I've never been an 18th century countess. I've never <laughs> been on the moon. I've never been a serial killer. I've never, I mean, part of the fun of both reading and writing is that chance to, you know, imbibe and be inside someone else's situation. Yeah. So that's part of the fun. And I would never want to take that away from anyone. So part of it is thinking and getting to know that person really well, that character really well, looking for connections that you might have. So, you know, I've never been on the moon, but I have been in situations that have been high stress. So if I'm creating a character who's being stranded on Mars, well, that's never happened to me. I have been (laughs) lost in the train station in Paris. So what are those kinds of things? Letting yourself imagine it. And I'm a big believer, too often we take the easy answer. So we sit down and we think, what would the character do in this situation? Mm, They would do this. And then we start writing. But if you take time and pause and be like, well, they do this or this or this Mm -hmm. or this, oftentimes the better answer is one that will come to you four or five. Because the first response that you come up with is probably also the first response I come up with and anyone else who reads your book. Right. But if you, again, have that little bit of a pause in there and let yourself think of something else, the character will take an action that makes the reader go like, oh, I didn't think they were going to do that. <gasps> That's going to cause more trouble. And then they, again, how are they going to get themselves out? And you got them turning pages. And that's what you need. 
I love it. I, as I said at the very beginning, I'm very, very curious about this topic because I really do want to, um, I, I really do want to write the kind of character. I mean, I, I, it's not a lot of books. I can think of maybe five to 10 books in my lifetime that when the book ended, I was depressed. Not because the ending had a sad ending, but because I didn't know how I was going to go on without those people in my life. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, they were so, I was so connected to them. And that's maybe a really, really too high of a standard for my first time book, because as we started this conversation, you know, writing is a craft. So I should first practice, you know, writing maybe a character that's not quite that I don't know. I don't know. Or do you say go for it? Go I for it go all for in. It. I go say go all in, uh, and knowing that you might fall short at certain points. But the the I mean, I'm a big fan of shooting for the stars. Like whether that's with your publishing goals. I mean, never be like I want to yeah. sell five books. You know, you want to sell a million books. Right. Um, so you're going to want to push yourself, and you're going to want to push yourself with your characters. Um, and again, what you know, what I wanted to do with with my nonfiction book was to provide a whole book full of prompts and things just to get Good. you thinking, Good. just to get you, a, you know, some very practical tips. Some, you know, the whole counseling interview is in there. There's a whole thing on the Myers-Briggs, on emotional intelligence, on all wow. these sort of basic psychological principles that you may remember from Psych 101 if you were, you know, had the fortune or misfortune to be in that class, but to get you thinking about how is this particular character going to do this Thing. That's uh, great. And it will make a big difference, hopefully. I, I'm glad you went there because I was going to ask you about what we would find in the book. And it is Build Better Characters by Eileen Cook for anyone who is listening to this and not looking at the show notes. Um, so yay, I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Okay, so speaking of that book and all the help that it can give us, you wanted to share about a special bonus that you are offering to people who purchase the conference tickets. Let's talk about that. Well, I thought what would be most helpful is to give, again, people something really practical. So what I have for everybody is a, a workbook, a little tiny little workbook that is all of a backstore interview. And so it's covering over 15 different areas. It's giving types of questions that a counselor would ask and probably more importantly, why they're being asked. So it's sort of a helpful thing for you to do it. So you can set up and you can do your own character interviews and get going right now. But that's very exciting. I'm excited. Great reason. Great, great reason for me to, to get that. But if you are just, uh, okay, so your books um, with Malice and then it's the Hanging Girl, One Line is Too Many. Is that the right title? Well, the publisher, the, they hate me and made my life complicated. So when the <laughs> book came out, it was called The Hanging Girl when it came out in hardcover. And they rebranded it with a new title for the paperback version, uh -huh. which is One Lie Too Many. Okay. That so you know that dreaded thing when you buy a book and then later you're like, I think I've read this before. Um, <laughs> that's why, because they changed titles and covers on you. So I always I try to sneak both of them in there. So if you're looking at a paperback, it's one line too many. Okay, so good to know. So you don't need to go buy both of her versions. You can or either do. buy The Hanging Girl or <laughs> One Light to Many, or do, or do what or am do. I talking about? Go buy them all <laughs> in every, every format, yeah. every everything. Um, do you have your books on audio? I do have some of my books on audio. So those are available. They're all available as eBooks or print copies as well. And they should be in your local bookstores. Awesome. And you also um, work with the Creative Academy and do some teaching. So where can people find information out if they're interested in, in working with you? 
Uh, well, I'm glad. So the Creative Academy for Writers, I'll make sure people get that website because we're just changing it as I speak over to a new site. And it's an online ongoing writers conference. So the idea is for people to come and to get some sort of one-on-one -on -one help with various things as well as help as a group. So we've built a really exciting community that we're excited for. And I teach for what's called the Writer's Studio at Simon Fraser University, which is a 10-month program oh, wow. uh, where people are working on their novels. So, so we have small groups. The, my maximum class size is nine. And you're stuck with me for 10 months while you hopefully uh, finish that novel you've been working on. And is that a, an in-person only? Do you have to attend in-person or is it online? It is all online. Well? The, wow. Yeah, the Writer's Studio is online. So I have students uh, in Belgium, India, um, a little bit from all over. That's cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really fun interview. I expected nothing less when I saw your name on our speaker list. And I'm just really pleased to, um, to have you as part of this conference. Again, you always bring great, great content. Well, thank you so much for having me. I just love this group of people and I wish everyone the best of their luck with their book. Uh, and to keep on writing because it matters and it's important. So yes. your story has to be out there. Agreed. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.